live from the Battleborn Broadcast Center. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield and Adam Hill, only on ESPN Las Vegas. Lakers Warriors playing game is tonight right here on ESPN Las Vegas. That'll be a little after Cofield and Company goes off the air. We are hanging out at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, Justin Watkins up in about a half an hour. Uh, news in, little college basketball news, Diamond Head Classic is set, interesting field, BYU-Hawaii, Liberty, Northern Iowa, South Florida, Stanford, Vanderbilt, Wyoming, uh, Hawaii, lost one of its best players in the transfer portal to UNLV. We'll uh, talk a little college basketball in about 12 minutes with Joe Esposito. Let's do it. It's time for The Three, presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. Celtics win last night. I'm not saying this overshadowed the Celtics' victory, but uh, you know Tatum had 50. That was awesome. They get the job done. They're in the field. What exactly happened with, who was it? Wearing the Don't Tread on Me jacket? Kemba Walker? Kemba Walker. Why is that an issue? Well, it's... You know, it was the jacket with the Gadsden flag that represents so, several far-right militia groups. Was it a flag that was flown often on January 6th? Uh, very attack, much. When the attack went down on the Capitol. Also, of local note, uh, was the flag used by the shooter, the ambushers, uh, the awful uh, cop killers uh, from the local pizza joint uh, oh, here in right. Vegas. Yeah. Just the despicable, horrific crime. Yeah. Uh, was used by them, was was actually placed on the body of an officer that they shot. Kemba Walker knew all that, and he wore the jacket. Uh, no. You don't think you know about it? No. I, I, listen, Kemba Walker said after the game he had no idea. Uh, he also said that he bought the jacket because it matched his shoes. And I have to tell you, by watching the Zoom reaction that he had to being asked about it, yeah. He had no idea. No clue. Like you can tell if somebody like if somebody's making up an answer, they have something ready to go. He was like, Wait, what? What he's like, what dude, happened? he's like, dude, I went to UConn. Come on. <laughs> right. Sorry, he, UConn yeah. No, he he clearly he pretty clearly saw this and was like, Oh, this is pretty cool. I have I have shoes that match this, it's gonna be great. And uh did not obviously go over the same way that he expected it to. No, but no, he didn't. he clearly had no idea what he was wearing. So we're good and we move on? I think so. Like, why do the, I feel like a white would not be afforded the same opportunity? They would because what? What do we say all the time? We're, we're, what do I say? I mean, I guess I can't speak for everybody, but everything should be context. Yeah, everything should be about context. What context was used in? Um, you know, what was the intent? And in this case, pretty clear to me, based on his complete sh- shock at being asked about this. Uh, it was pretty clear that there, that he had no idea. And listen, if he wears it again, okay, yeah, uh, then then there's an issue. But for right now, I don't think he had any idea what it was. Do you think there's a robust market so that he can get his money back on that one? Don't tread on me, jacket. Well, you know, I think it what loses half its value as soon as you wear it. Sometimes no. Sometimes actually, think, can become collectors. I think in the case of this, it might actually go up. I see a sweatshirt that's forty four. I don't right. see a jacket. His, though. I thought was, I thought it said it was one thirty. Really? Yeah. I could be totally wrong about that. It's a number that sticks out in my head for some reason. Seems like a ripoff. You wouldn't pay one thirty for the Gadsden flag jacket? No. The windbreaker, whatever that thing was. No. 
No. Me neither. Other big stories at 3 o'clock. COVID and the NHL. What's the latest now? I just saw your guy, Ben Goats. NHL just released a statement saying the Knights had multiple false positives. Players were isolated after initial tests. Did you know that? That the players were isolated? This morning? Okay. We we knew that there was there was two teams. We knew we were we were kind of knowing that one of them was the Blues. God, what a nightmare. The Blues and the Knights. Yeah, uh, Ben said players are isolated after initial tests. Further tests were negative, and the players are eligible to play tomorrow. I still wonder how many players it might have taken to, you know, maybe have the game delayed or not played or how they would have handled it. Um, they should have a little bit of flexibility built into the schedule, seeing as how the Canadian division hasn't started the postseason yet. There is a fun, you know, Flames Canucks game going on right now, 6 2. Very important stuff. Uh, very, very important regular season matchup. Uh, they're starting game, they're starting game one tonight, I believe, in the, uh, uh, in the Canadian division. So, um, they, they, by the way, that is the funny side note. They said they would not start the Canadian playoff games until the regular season games in Canada were done. So they played that game today during the day so they could squeeze in some night playoff games, get those series in as quickly as possible. So now just one game tonight, though, Winnipeg and Edmonton. Yeah. Uh, so so in, they can start. In the Canadian games. And yeah. Washington and Boston starting up in about 25 minutes, Nashville, Carolina. Game two, Carolina blew out the Preds in game one. That's a five o'clock and seven o'clock keeping an eye on the Avs and the blues. And we're talking about the blues having some false positives on game day. And I, I, I thought that number was going up because of the potential positive tests and maybe guys missing. And maybe there is still some information, but it had gone up. I saw as high as like minus three fifty, like an hour and a half ago. And then I just looked uh, when we were just at commercial right now and it's minus three eighty, So it's still going up. So it, it must not be information about positive tests. It must be wow. maybe something else or just opinion on the game. I don't know, but the number just keeps rising. Hey, Carol on Twitter was asking, wonder if that's why Nosik didn't come back. Maybe Patch already, and now he's cleared to play. Uh, Fingers no. crossed. I don't think so. No. Where was Patch's last night? Was he upstairs? Uh, well, when they're upstairs, they're not where they usually are. So it's a whole different scenario. Usually, you know, in non-COVID times, uh, players that aren't playing would be in suits in the press box with us. Uh, now, if they're upstairs, they're in a different isolated area, and I don't think they're upstairs at all. Give me a second to tiptoe into this one. Oh, boy. If you're going to ask an injury question. No don't, sick don't. status for game three. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're laughing just, at it. Don't watch. No sick. You're just... There is no information. There never will be any information on injuries. Not. Of course not. <laughs> it's hilarious. Nothing. Okay, no. that's it. Yeah, that was it. That's no. it. That's all we're going to get. Just this, the hearty laugh. That's it. So, Joe Esposito, Coach Joe knows, is on the way, and uh, maybe he knows why Nick Blake is no longer part of the UNLV program. Nova Home Loans brings you the three. It's a refi raid at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. Cofield and Company is talking college hoops with Joe Esposito. All right, time to talk to Coach Joe. And I'm really afraid to talk to Joe about this Larusa thing before we get to all the basketball. Joe, how you doing, buddy? 
I'm doing great. Thanks. First of all, Joe, what's going on with you in the uh, finals week? You're back teaching now. It's a rough time, man. It's a rough time. Intense. That, that piece of cake, man. They take the final, they go home. And, man, it's nice being a teacher, though. You know, you get the summers off. You get to enjoy yourself for the summer. I mean, travel a little bit, coach a little TBT, coach your team, events. Man, it's been great. I should have thought about this 25 years ago. <laughs> you coach, coach, you're not taking the summer off. Who are you kidding? Well, I mean, c- c- comparing to what it's like when you're a college coach, you know, and I'll, and I'll never, never, ever look bad on being a college coach because I had so many great years and, and so much fun and able to put a little nest egg away for retirement. But being a teacher is really rewarding. I've had a really good year. I've enjoyed myself. And uh, you're still teaching young people to, to do the things that they're supposed to be doing to better themselves. And that's what I really like about it. So it's been very rewarding. And, hey, we're 13-1. and one. Best year I ever had since I started coaching. So maybe I was made out to be a high school coach. How, how hard is your final? How hard? Yeah. Oh, come on. You, you might not pass it. Uh, Cofield would. Candy would never pass it. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> it's, it's pretty easy, man. It's, it's all yeah. about freshman connection. It's my class is about preparing them for what they're going to get later on in their high school and how to get to college and so forth and so on. So Boy. it's a pretty easy final. But I, I, I think I think Cofield might be able to pass it, but the rest of you guys probably won't. You know, the funny thing is, Joe, I've lost so much brain power over the years that I'm clearly the dumbest person on the show, and I have no problem admitting that. That uh, that happens uh, when you get older. Not with you, though. Uh, I will say with a college coach, it is year-round now because your head has to be on a swivel just to keep your team together. Uh, we'll get into some of the comings and goings in the transfer portal, but first of all, this wasn't a portal deal. Uh, Arthur Kaluma was part of the big class that Otzelberger was bringing in to UNLV, and he decided to uh, open things up, not go to UNLV, and he had a lot of Power 5 schools on his list, and he decided on Creighton. He's going to Creighton. Yeah, it was very, very surprising. I was surprised because we heard a lot about the young man because he was an Arizona kid out here in Arizona, and I know that Syracuse and Arizona were on his top list. And yeah. I mean, he becomes the highest-ranked player to go play for McDermott. And, uh, man, I'm going to tell you, um, Creighton, however, has lost a bunch. You know, They lost Ty Ty Washington, who ended up going to Kentucky, and they lost 80% of their scoring from last year. So I'm sure they sold them, hey, you could come in and be a star. You can get on the national scene a lot quicker if you come here than if you go to any of those other schools. But, uh, you know, in McDermott's whole situation, I mean, he's still a little bit on shaky ground, I would think, after that comment yeah. he made last year. And, and uh, people are probably wondering how that's going to go there. So it was real, real interesting to see. But uh, Creighton seems to get some big-time players every now and then, and they just pulled the big one right there. At, uh, the, uh, the issues with McDermott didn't seem to dissuade Arthur Kaluma. Uh, Gonzaga closed out, which is – this is hilarious. I, I sent you the tweet – uh, and you know, the guy's a decent guy, but there was a college football guy who said right after the title game, I feel bad for Mark Few, one of the best programs in the country for 20 years, to come so close twice now. Who knows when and if I'll have another team like this one. And, like, the next day we came in on Cofield and company, and we're like, what, what are you talking about? His team next, next year, year is going to be loaded. And uh, now they've landed another impact freshman. They got the number one player in the country, and now they got a kid in Hickman, who's a top 50 kid, to close out their class. Yeah, and then Hunter Silas. Both of those kids are all five. Three of those kids are five-star recruits. They signed uh, three of the you know three five-star guys, which nobody else did in the country. I mean, they, they've done a great job with the recruiting. And you know, when they talk about national champions, you know, it's so hard to win a national championship. When you look down the line, and you know, this week they've been talking a lot about Jay Wright going into the Hall of Fame, 
and, and, the, and the future of who's going to be the next coach in the Hall of Fame. And you talk about guys like Dana Altman, that's only been a one Final Four, never won a national championship, has almost 700 wins. A guy like Rick Barnes, who has over 700 wins, never won a national championship, been to one Final Four. You know, uh, just there's so many great coaches out there um, that have not won a national championship. Mark Few's got an incredible, impeccable record, 630 and 124. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's an eight, what is it, 83% winning percentage. He's all-time the highest in the, in, the, in the country. I mean, it's not easy to do. Leonard Hamilton never won a national championship. Ben Howland, and you go on and on. How about a guy like Bobby Huggins? He's over three, uh, 800 wins. He's never won a national title. So when they start throwing that national title word out there about Mark Few, and it's not really easy to do, fellas. He's got a great chance, however, next year, because I think that Chet Holmgren kid from Minnesota is going to be just an incredible difference maker for, for their program. Uh, how much, I mean, you said it's, it's not you know, easy to win a title, but how much easier is it to recruit when you have that kind of success? Like how much easier does recruiting get? Oh, no question. The recruiting gets easier because people, you know, it's all about the buzz. You know, they want to go where, where it's hot. So why is Gonzaga, you know, always getting the great players? Because one, they run a good program. They're there every year. They get a chance every year. And you can't even put down the conference they're in. I mean, every single coach in the country, no matter if you're the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, you're going to use that against them and say, hey, you're in a terrible conference. You want to play every single night against the best of the best. Well, it's not working because they've won. They've won so many games. I mean, they've done an incredible job. So, you know, the rich get richer. And uh, as, as you go along throughout the, you know, the whole recruiting process, it's all those teams that are having the buzz right now. And Gonzaga is one of those teams that, hey, they do it year in, year out. You're going to have a chance to get to where you want to go. Why not come here and play for a great coach? Joe Esposito is with us, a former college basketball coach at Minnesota. He was here at UNLV and Texas Tech and lots of other stops out there, Memphis included. Uh, Joe, I always get leery, and I guess things have changed because the portal's open and people are still going to the portal, but I always get leery of May transfers. And I don't know, you tell me, is there something weird about Remy Martin deciding to uh, bail on Arizona State and then popping up at Kansas? Yeah, you know, nowadays, to be honest with you guys, what happens is is the coaches are in contact with – so there's so many handlers. There's so many people that have hands in the game. You know, you're never talking to the kid directly or his parents directly. Somebody else is. And, and uh, you know, all of a sudden you get unhappy. You let somebody in your, in your posse know, like, hey, you know, I'm not really happy here. I don't like the team we have coming in. I don't like coach. Uh, I don't like the direction we're headed. And you get that buzz going. It hits the AU coach, hits a handler – hit the guy here, hit the guy there, and before you know it, the school finds out, oh, yeah, damn, we take him for sure. Kid gets in a portal, and boom, he's gone. I've been involved in that firsthand. I've seen it happen to us. I mean, we had a kid at Minnesota that was on our team, and a week and a half later, he's sitting on the Oregon bench. How in the world that happened so fast? Well, there's so many people in the middle. So you're going to see a lot more of that, too. You're going to see a lot more May transfers, late transfers, uh, guys that are that are going to transfer late here still that even are in the portal because they're going to find out that there's an opportunity here and somebody needs that type of player. And I keep telling, I told two college coaches today that called me up, I said to them, I said, hey, whatever you can do, if you can say, coach, give me some advice. Here's my advice. Hold on to a scholarship. Wait, because there is going to be a lot of movement late this year, and I guarantee you'll pick up somebody that you never thought you can get. And here's an example right here that, uh, you know, they had, Kansas had another scholarship and they pick up a great player in Remy Martin. You, you just you just reminded me of something that I, I wanted to ask you uh, by, by saying that. When coaches call 
uh, about players that you have. How honest are you with with college coaches? Well, you know, if they're calling about a guy that's in your program and yeah. that wants to leave, I mean, they don't make that call. You, you, no, you no, really no, no, think sorry. that Kansas called ASU? There's no, no, they don't make that call. Coach, no, and I mean you, you. I mean you as a high school coach. When when people call you, how honest are you with college coaches? I've I've always wondered oh, that because yeah, I know oh, I know I'm 100 percent honest because those are my friends. And secondly, <laughs> as soon as you screw a guy over, the word gets out so quickly. You know, I think high school coaches sometimes just pump their kids up. AAU coaches pump their kids up. I think you got to be honest with them and let them know exactly what's happening. And I think you know, for college coaches, if you're calling somebody that's been in the business like myself that knows that knows the position and knows what you have to do at the college level and whether they're going to make it, it's a big advantage. That's why all these kids are transferred into my program here because they know I can help them get to where they want to go, and I know what it's going to take. We have two of the top ten eighth graders in the state transferring to Cesar Chavez, and I think one of the reasons is because they know I know what it takes to get there. So you've got to be honest with those, those college coaches because as soon as you screw one of them, man, word travels. College coaching fraternity is a small group of guys. And as that word goes around there quickly, you got to be real careful because you can get in that doghouse pretty quick. Joe Esposito on Cofield and Company. All right, what do you think happened with uh, Nick Blake, who had a nice freshman year uh, as a Vegas guy? I uh, thought he still had you know pretty strong ties within the program, and then uh, we find out yesterday that uh, he is going to be leaving the program, and they've uh, parted ways, mutually parted ways. Yeah, and, and you probably wonder. He, he probably has a, an opportunity that we don't know about yet mm-hmm. where he's going to be headed, I would think. I mean, because – it really doesn't make too much of a sense when he played 27 games and, and all 27 games, he had about seven points a game and three rebounds, played about 20 minutes as a youngster. Uh, you would think that he would be in good shape. And here's the thing that's alarming about this whole UNLV hire. You know, when you hire an assistant coach in your program, one of the reasons athletic directors do that is they don't want a lot of movement or change or turmoil. Or they want to keep building what was being built. Well, UNLV's had 11 players leave since the end of the season. That's a lot of guys. I don't know if you could tell me another program where an assistant coach took over and 11 guys left. So obviously there's some kind of issue there. They really don't like the school, the system, the league. I don't know what these kids don't like. Don't like living in Vegas. I mean, are they crazy? Have they gone to a show? Have they done anything? Have they been to a buffet? I mean, what is going on? Why are kids leaving Vegas? I I can't understand it. And it seems alarming to me that assistant coach takes over, 11 guys leave, and Nick Blake's one of them. So, and, don't, and I'm going to tell you this. Don't think that league's not getting better. San Jose pulled a great, great <laughs> kid out of Arizona. They yep. got a kid from Turkey, a big boy from Turkey. And Tim Miles is already moving his brain because he hired the Dobo from Arizona, and that kid brings the kid from Turkey with him. So don't think San Jose's going to be down. Don't think New Mexico is going to be down. UNLV's got to really come to the plate because that league is going to be better next year. Well, Coach, the answer to have they been to a show, have they been to anything, a buffet? No. There's no buffets in Vegas. There's no shows in Vegas. Come on. I thought it was opening back up. I keep hearing how great it is. I see these TikToks. What are you talking about? <laughs> the TikToks. Well, I mean, that's a good point. You, that, that is on TikTok all over the place. Uh, kind of a moot point, though, because Nick Blake you know, was here in Vegas for a long time. So as a kid, he could have gone to a buffet or to a show. We got to close on this one, Joe. Very important. Um, Jaden Hardy, Amari's brother, has decided no college basketball. He's going to go pro. What do you think of that decision? And we've already seen a couple of guys with UNLV Connects in the past uh, go for the one year in the G League, and they're going to make out just fine. 
Yeah, you know, the, the the four kids that did it last year, the four five-star kids that did it last year, obviously will make out fine, but it did hurt college basketball. Because yeah. of those four kids, I think one of them would have been at Duke, one of them would have been at Kentucky, and those teams wouldn't have had those down years. The G League this year looks like they're only going to get two five-star guys in Hardy and Michael Foster. So I think, you know, that won't be as a big as an impact. But, you know, for Hardy, I, I, you know, the money, I, I get it. There's things there, but that college experience, the excitement of being on a college campus, I just think they missed out on all that. And now they're starting this new league, this overtime uh, elite high school league in, in Atlanta, you know, where they're going to bring kids in, high school players, 30 players. It's going to start in September, and they're going to pay them the minimum of $100,000, lose your college eligibility, and now here's another venue for them to get to the NBA. This is crazy because this is going to hurt college basketball as well. And this league's got guys like Drake and Kevin Durant, Carmelo Anthony, Trey Young funding this league. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. So shockingly, there is a league now that you can go to other than the G League that can help you get ready for the NBA and put six figures in your pocket. You don't have to go to class. You don't have to wake up for chemistry. You don't have to wake up for this class, that class. I don't know. It's really going to hurt the game, I believe. I think it's going to be a, a, a really a detriment to college basketball to lose some of these elite players. All right, Mr. Esposito, thanks for giving us a good test today. We appreciate it. All right, man. You guys have a, a great day. I, I, hey, school's out. I'll see you in Vegas. Before you know it, I'll be in the studio. All right. Can't wait. Yes. See you, Joe. There he is, Joe Esposito. Uh, you know, when Joe's talking about shocking, it's the soccer model. Yeah. It, it really is. It's the soccer model. Like, that's what the rest of the world does. And it's a basketball model in Europe, too. Like, kids start playing uh, basketball for – money at a very young age. And that's why you hear about so many of these guys being drafted. And it's like, Oh, they already played professional because the model around the rest of the world is this is what they do. This is their job. Let them start working at their job at 16 or 17 years old. Coming up next ESPN, Las Vegas legal analyst, Justin Watkins joins Cofield and company in studio to break down the biggest legal stories in the world of sports. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. Saddleborn Broadcast Center here on a Wednesday. Justin Watkins is in. You look pretty dark, man. Did you wear any sunscreen? You're almost kind of red. Hawaii last week, huh? Hawaii last week. <clears throat> no, no. It's all brown. Talk about this is This is as brown as I'm going to get. I'll tell you that. <laughs> It's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous for us types with the red beards. That's right. I, w- I walked the line of being red for the whole stay, <laughs> but I, I kept it I kept it good. No peeling, no burns. Where'd you go? Maui. Nice. Wailea. Are you a my, uh, Maui snob? I know uh, Matt Humans is. Our buddy Matt. Uh, yeah, he is. I'm actually anti-Hawaii in general. Oh, really? oh I'm a big yeah. island guy. That's my favorite. I like going to the big island. I haven't been there. Worth a go. It's, you know, Maui and Oahu and a little bit of Kauai, you get you get trapped in the the tourist traps a lot. Yeah. Big Island, that's not a thing. It's it's super chill over there. What's their deal right now with COVID? You get tested before you get there. If if you're then flying inner island, you may have to get tested depending on which island you go to when you get to that island oh, really? as well. Um, but they're working their way towards a vaccination passport. So Ooh. inner island for Hawaiians, they don't have to test if they're if they have the uh, if they have the vaccination card. Uh, but that has not that hasn't come for trans uh, Pacific flyers yet. But I I imagine it's going to come. So now you're pro Hawaii. 
I'm in now with the vaccine passport. Yeah, I'm in. I'm actually. I'm. I'm sorry for saying I'm anti Hawaii. Is I'm your pro Hawaii? Is your card actually shredded at this point? It's laminated. Oh, you got it laminated. Yeah. You did it yourself, or you got you went somewhere? I, I ordered. I ordered. I have. I have it with me. I can pull it out. Get it out of the bag. Yeah, I, I carry it with me everywhere I go. I gotta get mine laminated. I cannot wait. I can't wait for someone to ask me. Oh, I know. Oh, sir, are you are you vaccinated? Oh, am I? Boom. Is that why you went to Dunkin' Donuts the other day? Oh, you were hoping, hoping, yeah. No, it's not why. He, uh, I mean, he I just witnessed, he witnessed a blow up at a Dunkin' Donuts because there's a lot of confusion right now if you're supposed to wear the mask or not. I think at all the food places right now, this is what I've heard from uh, a restaurant owner that I know that they haven't gotten clearance yet from the from the health district. Well, Justin, this was the this is a mess. So yeah. I said yesterday, sir, it wasn't yesterday. It was some other time. <laughs> I'm not. I'm trying to give away where we were. I, I was like. It's chaos. Yeah. And Steve's like, I'm not seeing chaos. I was like, I'm no seeing chaos. it. So here's the problem. There's a restaurant. It's the, it's a Dunkin' Donuts location. And I went to get coffee there in a casino. The casino says, hey, if, you, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Obviously, they're not checking, whatever. But the Dunkin' Donuts is its own place in the casino. Right. And people are like, it says I don't have to. Well, we're separate from them. Well, why why is it different here? We're waiting for corporate to tell us that policy is different. We're different. Stop arguing with, like, it's a lady. It's a very, very, it was a nice old lady. She was like 90. Like, we don't have to yell at her. She's doing her job. Right. And it, clearly, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, it, it, she knows what she's talking about. She works here. Leave her alone. Yeah. Can I say, at the? I was at the game last night. I was, I've been at, at both the playoff games. I was at the game last night. And my section was very much on on it. We had the masks on. They had the guy coming down with the little mask sign that he, if anybody puts their mask down, he you know short, puts it in their face. The one section over, chaos. They just, they just <laughs> jointly, all of them were like, we're deciding we are not masking up. And they all put the mask down. Oh, and it just, and it was, there. nothing happened. There's just too many of them. I mean, yeah. the, the sign guy can't Strength, hit them all. Strength in numbers. Yeah. Just, just I was just it. hoping I, that that would move its way over to my section, but it did not. As I told Steve, I'm just very, I'm very annoyed at, I'm just like everybody is acting like mask mandates were just eliminated last week. Right. Not what happened. Yeah. It's absolutely not what happened. So I'll tell you this: when I was in Hawaii, they are very strict. Everywhere is still masks. Right. But also everywhere is kind of an indoor outdoor type of place. Right. Like and so. We did a snorkeling trip. We took the, we took to our whole company. It was our 10 year anniversary. Took the whole company. And uh, so we go on the snorkel trip. The guy, you know, the captain gets up. Hey, we're a boat. We're a vessel. We're just like a plane. We're governed by federal law. You got to mask up. All the same rules apply. But we're going to be snorkeling and we're going to be <laughs> eating. So everybody do your best. And everybody just took the mask right off. So there's they they have fatigue of enforcement, right? They're yeah. just like, you know what? Well, that's what that's what the problem was when they made the announcement. Yeah. Like who's going to who's going to enforce? Right. It's going to be a mess. And that's why they that's why they took so long. When people are like, how come the changes haven't been made? This is why. Right. This is who's 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 enforcing it and like the messaging is insane. Like everybody keeps saying, "Oh, now the, there's no more mass mandate." There is. There is. There's no more if you're vaccinated. But everybody keeps leaving that part of it out. It's very annoying to me. Justin Watkins is with us, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 5709000. You're a big hockey fan. You're a big uh, Golden Knights founder, right, in the first the 75 or 100 there. What did you think last night? That was looking pretty bleak when they scored. And then Marcia so, like, in an instant, I, I thought the, the karma, the mood of the team changed immediately. 
I, yeah, I actually have a lot of thoughts on this. So first off, I'll say that I thought from a uh, elevated perspective, 30 foot elevation here, that game two was sort of a mirrored image of game one. Game two, I thought Minnesota slightly outplayed VGK, but VGK got the win. Game one, I thought VGK slightly outplayed Minnesota, but Minnesota won. And, and largely, you know, they were even for periods two and three, and period one was one-sided. That's how that's my take on the two games. <laughs> the crowd was on pins and needles, I would say, after about the first 10 minutes of the first period. Yeah. It was super quiet. They were piping in fake noise, which they haven't done since they upped it to 50%. Yeah. They didn't do it in game one. But they were doing it for half of the first period and the first half of the second period, too. And, I, I mean, several people were commenting. on. I was with some friends, and I'm like, yeah, you hear the little murmur they're playing? Yeah. It's so quiet because everybody's on the edge of their seat going, oh, my God, are they going to score a goal? They just – everybody was just watching the game. And then when uh, Minnesota scored – I felt this like big sag <laughs> in, in the collective crowd. Uh, and then when Marshall still scored, I didn't feel like it got everybody all the way back, but it certainly got us fired up and I didn't hear any fake crowd noise from there. Um, and then certainly after Tuck's goal, then, then it was all crazy. Off. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. Got, got nice and crazy again. Yeah. And I, 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 I would agree. I mean, I think that's almost exactly what I talked about at the beginning of the, the mirror image of the games, you know, the, the, if you dominate a first period in that way and don't score, it's going to be tough. And the Knights found that out in game one. The Wild found that out in game two. Right. You can't let those kind of opportunities get away from you. And, you know, if you let the other team stay around, they're going to come back and, and find a way to win. And I think we're going to see more games like this because the way these two teams have chosen to approach this series, there hasn't been. I mean, it's super, super rare to even see an odd man rush. I don't think there was an odd man rush that entire game too. And there has not been a single breakaway with just a skater yeah. against the goalie. Not once for either team. I thought there was one. I thought there was one like three on two. Cause I noticed the same thing. I was like, Oh, that was really fast. And it was a the night. They missed the opportunity. I'm like, man, th this thing has been really tight throughout. Well, you know, what's funny about that is like the crowd was so tired of like, the the amount of defense that was going on that anytime the knights entered the neutral or entered the the offensive zone with any sort of speed they would get off their seats and start start cheering like something's going to happen i'm like it's a two on four there's <laughs> yeah. like four defenders in the zone yeah they skated in easily but they can't do anything but it's with it. something it's something it was it's so, i was cheering too let's do it you know like uh, it but it's the way that the two teams play defense and play it effectively and have chosen to set up I thought Vegas in period two was taking some chances to try to open things up. And it almost cost them. I mean, Fleury had to play great again. Um, but I thought that they were starting to try to take chances to open up the game a little bit. Um, and I th after these two games, I think we're going to see more of these types of games. And I wouldn't be surprised if coming back to Vegas for game five, it's tied to 2-2. Two -two. I don't think it would be surprising at all. I, I mean, I think that would be... <laughs> That'd be great for the Knights because there's definitely that chance. Win a game at, yeah, at Minnesota, which, which they almost never do. They almost never do. And you know, Minnesota. I would say, as I said, and God, I, this happens every year, and it really annoys me. So I'll just say it right now. Hey, listen, people, I'm covering the opponent in the playoffs. Like somebody, somebody again last night. Just the angry. This sounds like almost like you're covering Minnesota. 
I am. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. So I've been on other calls, and I would say they were downright giddy getting a split. They're like, oh, it's 1-1, and they have to come They have to come to where we dominate? Okay, let's go. Like, they were excited. So I think on the flip side of that, I my guess, my prediction is that Vegas is going to come out really strong on game three because I think there's more pressure at T-Mobile. You could feel it in you game two, like what we're talking about. You could feel the pressure in the arena building and mounting the longer they went without scoring. And just getting a change of geography yeah. to get out of that pressure cooker, I think it's going to help them, even though they historically don't play well in St. Paul. I think it's part of it, but I, I also would say that they were reaching a level where they're like, we're never going to score a goal in Camp Talbot. And once they did, like, okay, we can do that. And I think I think that will help going into game three also. I agree. I, I, I well, we'll, see, we'll see what happens with the uh, Noshik and, and Pacioretty and who comes in. I mean, it sounds like uh, – Sounds like it's not going to be glass that they bring up, uh, yeah. which is somewhat surprising because he he can help with the power play um, and be Patrick the Brown. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's, that's the thing. That's basically what Minnesota has forced us to do. They're playing five on five like they're one man short. They're putting us into power play situations where we have to set up an offense in our offensive zone, and that's not what we excel at. Yeah. Right? We need on man Russia. So, um, you know, depending on who we get back, if we get anybody back. Uh, let's assuming the lineups are the same as they were in game two, my pick would be VGK on, in game three to win um, with some momentum. But um, if Patches comes back or or if Noshik's out and Patches are out, then that could change. He's our legal insider, massive hockey fan. It's Justin Watkins with us here at the Battleborn Broadcast Center. We take a quick time out here. On the way back, we have to get into, uh, one, some possible updates with the HOV lanes, one of my favorite topics. And is it legal when I have to fly next time? They look at me and they're like, you're too fat. We got to weigh you in. Is, they can do that? We'll find out. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. Frustrated drivers thought that Project Neon and its $1 billion price tag would improve traffic flow and increase traffic capacity along I-15. But sources at the Nevada Department of Transportation told the Cone Zone that the project was never about improving traffic capacity, but rather a safety improvement project. NDOT is planning on launching a full 18-month study and is expected to be approved by the Nevada Transportation Board next month. And depending on what that study shows, the HOV hours of operations may be adjusted back to peak commute hours Monday through Friday. However, any changes to the HOV hours are at least two years away. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. That report from Fox 5. What a bunch of bunk. What a bunch of bunk. The amount of time that it takes, all the red tape you have to go through for this stupid HOV stuff. And then we spent a billion dollars to fix the spaghetti bowl for safety. Come on. It's less safe. We've talked about this. I don't have a study saying that. It feels less safe. When I can't get on the road and there's three 18-wheelers freaking side-by-side blowing me into the freaking guardrail, whatever, the median on the side, it doesn't feel safer. Go yeah. ahead, former public servant. Go ahead and defend this nonsense. <laughs> I we, just, we, we did it for safety, but not for improvement of traffic flow. What are you, nuts? 
I I don't get as fired up about about these things as you do. Traffic doesn't bother me in that way, but um, I'll say this. First off, we know from prior reporting, uh, or we believe we know from prior reporting, that there was a time period which they couldn't make any changes to this because of the federal funding, right? That's what their first response to the HOV lanes were. And now they're saying, well, we can't make any changes because we need to conduct this study for 18 months. My only critique is, was there something preventing us from doing the study the first 18 months as opposed right. to waiting two years that you need to wait two years to then do the study 18 months after that? That seems to be an unnecessary delay. Although I have to disagree with the premise of, of the story right now, which is that when I get on that, when I get on the 15 now, I see people in the HOV lane all the time. Not like it was at the beginning when nobody was in it. There's almost always cars in it. In fact, I get into it a lot when I, I've got the family and I'm finding the HOV lanes going slower than the regular lanes. I noticed so, that too. But I also notice a lot of people that are in them solo. Yeah. Well, oh, no. No one's following, no one's following the rules because they don't pull anyone over. God, I do. And I, I, I get so annoyed at myself. I'm like, why am I so observant of the rules? Because I'm there like, oh, I want to go in the HOV lane, but I just don't. Yeah, well, you know what's not getting used is the they they built that massive flyover. No one's ever on that. Oh, I Both think the ways the there's one, no one ever on that. The one that I never see anybody they on. Where are they getting my way? Yeah, the project uh, the <laughs> on the neon gateway. When I drive with the SO, of course, with two people. <laughs> the neon gateway, that exit yeah. as you're coming. There's when I take that exit, you know, I think I'm like saving time. There's nobody there. I and love course, it. I, I love it too. But the thing is, it's not faster either. And sometimes it is. I don't know. I, I guess I don't. I don't drive down. Why, why, down but the, why does it take so long to to come up with studies? And come on. Well, typically years and years and years. I wonder if they had to get this study authorized by the legislature, yeah. and so maybe it was a bill this year or last session that got authorized for this time, because studies cost money, so they can't. You know, NDOT can't just go willy nilly to go and doing studies and costing all this money, right? They have to get. Typically, these kinds of studies are approved through the legislature as part of a budget. So that's my guess. Are you optimistic for the project that's going to be done around Tropicana and Russell for the stadium? <laughs> I just, no. I'm, I'm <laughs> what? It's sad, but I'm like, it's going to be a disaster. Whatever they come up with, it's got to be better. Come on. I think I think they've done a good job at the spaghetti bowl. You disagree with the design? I think the design's way better. I think it's way easier to navigate. You know, it, I think it's it, virtually I, most most days it's the same as it was, and some days it's worse. Oh, I disagree. So I I mean I often go through the spaghetti bowl on my way up to this side of town. Take the 15 to the 95, take Summerlin Parkway and work my way up if I am have a meeting or go to the gym before I come to the office. And before Project Neon, that was not even a possibility. No. I would never consider making that drive. I would always 215 all the way around. Oh, yeah. And after Project Neon, way faster to go through Spaghetti Bowl and head up. So I that's, that's the only basis I have. I'm talking... You know, seven to eight o'clock in the morning. That's what I'm talking about. That which before, forget about it, man. It was backed all the way up. I don't. I don't mind it. Yeah. And and you know, I haven't. I haven't had to go much to the office. But that's right where the office is for me. Yeah. Like right underneath the spaghetti bowl. And I haven't got, had to go much. But when it was first, you know, when it was first finished, I, I liked it better. Well, and if you're taking 15 straight through, like you're heading out of town, way better. It used to, you know, because I have a, a place up in Utah. When I would take that drive to get from my house in Southern Highlands to the, to the Speedway, Ooh. it was like an hour. Yeah. And now, cruise right through. We're talking 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. 
Every once in a while, you get a backup still, but yeah. not like you, it used to be every day. Every day. Yeah. A couple of stories about big people, so we relate to this. A 224-pound Russian woman reportedly killed her husband with her buttocks. And when you read the story, she she claims that, hey, she was trying to calm him down, and things just went awry. She went rikishi? She, she snuffed him out. Yeah. This, this, these are tough cases because it's not you know a traditional means of, of ending someone's life. Well, it's not tough. She she killed him. Um, it's negligent homicide. That's that's the claim that they went with to say that it wasn't intentional murder. Although there's an outcry to actually get murder charges, I I agree that it should be higher than negligent homicide because she clearly intended bodily harm, um, and the bodily harm resulted in. But I don't know Russian laws. I don't know what kind of murder charges <laughs> they have. I'm sure they don't have four degrees or five degrees like we do here. But generally speaking, if you're committing an assault or a battery that then results in murder. You, or, or death, it's not going to be negligent homicide. It might be voluntary manslaughter. It could be third degree or second degree murder, depending on the jurisdiction. So, but the, the picture that you're imagining in your head is not how this went down. His face was in the mattress. She was sitting on the back of his head and then had her feet on his shoulders so that he couldn't press up to get breath. Right. It's not the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he got smothered. Yeah. yeah. Uh, headline, airlines may start weighing people at the gate amid fears aircraft are being overloaded by fat passengers. The lead to the story, passengers could be weighed before they get on jets because Americans are getting fatter. And the FAA is concerned aircraft may be overloaded. Well, let's just start by saying weight is not a protected class. So can't, you know, let's say there is government action here, even though there's not, but the airlines do get some support from the government and they do have contracts through the FAA. So let's say it's a quasi government sort of action and put it in constitutional realm. You know, can they say it's an equal protection argument or failure due process? You can't discriminate against me because I'm overweight. That's not a protected class. Um, so they could, uh, in, in theory, do that. As far as whether or not it's a good policy or not, I, I really, am ignorant of what the airline, what the challenges are of the airlines in regards to weight and fuel costs and all that, all those different things. So, you know, if I was a policymaker on this, is this something that I would participate in? I'd have to, I'd have to hear this. Would it have to be done privately? Like, or you do just shame people out in front of everyone else and have like, basically, could you do like the scale that's downtown? <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, the heart, yeah. 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 Heart attack yeah heart attack grill. Watch as people get on there. Yeah. You're like, you're 50 pounds heavier than you realize. You get off the scale. I, I think, you know, I, I'm a, more like of a, scale, of, of, of a open market, free market kind of guy. And I would say that that's probably bad business, right? Yeah, if you're yeah, gonna, I agree. Yeah. So I don't think anybody would do that yeah. because nobody would fly your airline if that's what you're doing. Right. But if, but legally, could they? I would say, yeah, oh, wow. they could. Okay. Right. You know, and you know then, I was joking. Right? right. But maybe, I mean, let's, this is never going to happen, but let's take this to like its ridiculous endpoint on a conversation and say, maybe there becomes this like luxury airline where everybody weighs less than a certain amount. So, Ooh. you know, when you book that you're going to have space, you're going to have elbow room. How about and, discounts only go to the thin? Well, I'm, I'm just saying that like if people knew that one airline catered towards really skinny people, right. then they would more likely want to, you know, they'd be willing to maybe pay a little bit more to be on that airline to have more space. And, that airline could perhaps charge less because fuel costs. So how about my premise? Discount to the thin, which I'll tie to lottery winnings to the vaccinated. That's legal what they're doing in Ohio? Yeah, sure. I mean- I don't want to get vaccinated, but I want to win the lottery. 
Did you? I want money. That's public money. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we, we're not allowed to have a lottery in the state of Nevada, so that they would have to term it something different if we try to do it here. You're also sure you're also spending it on public health, right? Like that is you're spending the money on public health. That's public money. I think that's fine. Well, and, and I'm sure that there's federal money that's been appropriated to the states for the purposes of promoting vaccinations. We hear all the radio ads. We hear, you know, we there's billboards out there right now, like get vaxxed and all that stuff. I'm sure that's federal money. I'm sure it's assigned for the purposes of promoting vaccinations. And so if they chose to spend that money to throw a lottery on there for whoever wants to get it, hey, I'm all for it. It's a creative idea. It's working. So good on them. I, I like that outside the box thinking. And it is working. They're up like 6% vaccinations on uh, ages 30 to 74. So, Well, I went with somebody yesterday to the Golden Knights game. I invited them along. And as you know, I was going to meet them in the seats as we got there. Turns out she went and got vaccinated. Yep. And as she comes in she at, at T-Mobile, you know, she was like, I was telling everybody I'm not an anti-vaxxer, but I'm only going to do it if it's ridiculously convenient. And then I walk up to the game and there's nobody here. And they're like, hey, you want to get vaccinated? She's like, okay. <laughs> it just got happened in like 30 seconds and she was done. So she went to the arena. She didn't go to the strip club down the road. Because there, there was a strip that's, club. That's doing Friday. It. That's oh, Friday. Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what the club's doing it on Friday. Okay. Yeah. Oh, the package that you get with it? Unbelievable, by Is the it? way. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Are you guys going to do a remote? We should, <laughs> we should volunteer. Yeah. You get like a bottle. You get a couple dances. It's insane. Good on them. Yeah. Very creative stuff. Hey, we'll sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now you're in. You guys are always in. Uh, Battleborn Injury Alert is 5709000. We're hanging out at the uh, beautiful BBBBC studios. Uh, what's going on with you now that you're back? You slammed? We're slammed. Things are back. Um, you know, this this town's recovering, I think. Uh, we're seeing the early signs of it. So, you know, we're just getting everybody uh, back into the office. Um, you know, we've dropped our mask requirements. We've got people vaccinated. We're doing, you know, the legal world's returning to quote unquote norm, which is in-person hearings and all that. I hope some of those things don't return all the way to norm. Virtual hearings are awesome at court for 90% of what we do. So hopefully that stays. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers 702-570-9000 with your questions today.